0: when I think about today's show, I think about former guest Vinnie Torterich, and he has this saying, your good intentions have been stolen, and I'm here to help you get them back. And that's been ringing through my head today as I was preparing and writing this show that I'm going to be talking about, because obviously this is something that keeps coming up for my clients, and so I'm here to share it with you. And one of the things that this show has always been about, it's always been about going behind the green curtain. And that metaphor comes from the Wizard of Oz. I honestly don't even remember if there's a green curtain, but in my brain, I've created the green curtain that Oz is behind. And the highlight reels, all the expectations that we put of this person saving us, but when we open up the green curtain, it's this little man with the big microphone. And one of the things that I often do is I'm, I look around to see what is really true, what is going on. And so today I want to talk about, you know, meaning and purpose. And, you know, doing meaningful work is something that's really, really important to me and wanting to do meaningful work. And I know for you and in our community here at How She Really Does It, my clients, right? We have the privilege and the opportunity to do meaningful work. And we can create some magical thinking with it and what it looks like. And that's the perspective that I want to discuss of what meaningful work really looks like and letting go of the magical endings, right? The fairy tale, the live happily ever after, the rom-coms, the Hollywood endings, right? So what I want to first talk about is, you know, the areas that we will have magical endings and there's so much of it in our society in these good intentions that we have right? We will say, this is what I want to do. And it sounds great. And I used to say, I'm on the right side of this. I'm getting a bit self-righteous there, but I would do that and thinking that this was going to happen. And one of it is gender equality. And I remember in 2019, when I read Melinda Gates' book, The Moment of Lift, how empowering women changes the world. And when I read that women in the U.S., This is in the U.S., mind you, but in the U.S., we're 208 years away from achieving equality with men, and that was at that current pace of change. That blew my mind, right? And that was in 2019. So here we are in 22, where the women's movement has gone backwards, but back in 2019, that blew my mind, right? So we could have this, you know this stealth expectation, this magical thinking, if we're going to close the pay gap, right? We're going to stomp our feet. We're going to do this and it's going to happen. My friend, to create change, it takes time. What we need to do is to be able to make sure we're on a sustainable pace that we can last. Now, I won't be here in 200 years, so I don't know what will happen, right? I'm 50, so I'm probably at midpoint, but what are the small things that I can do? And so we can talk about smashing the patriarch. We can talk about, you know, getting women equal or, you know, mentoring women and helping them rise up and breaking the good old boy system. However, we must set, I don't want to say realistic expectations, but we must let go of magical thinking. And that part's really important. So other examples of magical thinking are Title IX, huge one. I'm 50. It was established in 1972. Another one is finding the right job to have meaning and purpose, like the right job. I'm quoting my fingers right now, right? Because that's a, that's a cloak word for saying perfect, or it could be being in the right business network group where there's a beautiful exchange, right? We're like, okay, this is going to be, we're going to support each other. We're going to rise up together. There aren't going to be any backstabbers, my friends, you know, hopefully not a whole lot of backstabbers. But there's going to be broken trust. There's going to be miscommunication because we're humans and we bring our messy selves to these things. You know, one of mine from my freshman year in college being a first gen at college and going to the University of California and going, wow, I'm part of a land grant institution. They built this university to educate me, right? I really believe that and I was in awe. And now I have much less magical thinking than that. But what I'm talking about this magical thinking is what we're creating is stealth expectations. Now I need to just pause for a second and explain to you what stealth expectations, because this is a concept created by Brene Brown in the Dare to Lead curriculum. And as you all know, I'm a Dare to Lead facilitator. I love Brene's work. She's been on the show many times. She also loves, if you're familiar with her work, she loves to create new words. (laughs) And every time she creates a new word, I'm like, hmm, I have my own resistance that comes up. And I had extreme resistance to stealth expectations. I was like, ah, stealth. That just sounded very military. It just sounded very maybe masculine to me. I just didn't want to embrace it. And I just, I would look at it and I'd read it and I wouldn't hear it being talked about and I would just push it aside and I'd ignored it. Notice when you do that and what you do that with, right? It was new wording, and. I also know that I know me, and I know my resistance, and I know that this is part of my way of learning. And I also know that when I resist something that I need to learn, guess what? It keeps coming back. I keep getting more opportunities to learn it. Stealth expectation is something that I have had the opportunity to really learn, to really live, to really be able to integrate, and I'm here to share it with you. So Again, according to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead, stealth expectations is a desire or expectation that exists outside of our awareness and typically includes a dangerous combination of fear and magical thinking. Stealth expectations almost always lead to disappointment, resentment, and possibly more fear. Anne Lamont has a saying that expectations are resentments waiting to happen. So these expectations are things that fly under the radar, right? And they only surface later on <laughs> when we're kind of in a shit show. And an example of that is I unknowingly, and I've talked about this many times, I unknowingly had a stealth expectation 16 years ago on myself as a bonus mom, stepmom, mom, working mother you know, coach, like I had all these stealth expectations. So like in the family environment, my stealth expectation, which was an expectation that I had that existed outside of my awareness, right? That did include fear, and <laughs> lots of magical thinking. I was comparing myself to Carol Brady from the Brady Bunch. Like, why was my family in tears? Why were my daughters in tears? Why was I in tears? why couldn't I have a nice and peaceful and calm home like Carol Brady did? My life looked nothing like Carol Brady. I'm still looking for an Alice in my life, even though I'm an empty nester. And she had Alice and she didn't have a job outside the home. But here I was comparing myself and beating myself up. That, my friend, is a great example of a self-expectation. And I just thought if I could just get organized, if I can just get it together, if I can just do all this and I can have that perfect life balance, (laughs) then therefore I would live in the promised land and my kids would not be crying, nor would I. Job would be great. My bosses would appreciate me. I'd have this beautiful home. My marriage would be humming. I'd have these friends and we'd go out. My house would be decorated. It would all just be fantastic and magical and totally clean. That was magical thinking. And it was all rooted in fear and shame, like not being good enough. And I was in survival mode, like just trying to figure out how to make it through the next day, how to not get fired, even though I was tenured. And it really wasn't about not being fired. It was really about not getting approval from those in positions of power at work, what put in positions of power. So that, my friend, is what stealth expectations are, right? We do that with, let's smash the patriarchy. We're going to close the pay gap, right? Title IX is going to be the great equalizer for women and male sports. And I'm really sad to say that I feel like I believe it's not a feeling. I believe with what I know now and being behind the green curtain of collegiate athletics at many different levels and being connected to many people throughout the country in collegiate athletics is we are so much further away from Title IX quality than when I was in college in the early 90s, right? We talk about Title IX, but there's huge discrepancies, right? Yes, you'll say, but it's a law, but we we know that laws are broken and laws sometimes don't get enforced. I've seen us go backwards in that. That is my belief. And maybe it was also because I was in a really good campus back in the day in terms of Title IX, and we had some people in the department that were really fighting for it. Not that there's there's Title IX officers on every campus. That is part of what needs to be done. But I've seen differently. Another part of Title IX is about sexual assault. And before writing Catch and Kill, Ronan Farrow wrote that book about Harvey Weinstein, and which eventually led to his arrest. There was some New York Times writers writing a different book, and then Ronan was writing this book, Catch and Kill. But prior to writing that book, he was actually doing investigative journalism on sexual assault on university campuses which fall under Title IX. And, you know, again, as parents, like I have two daughters in college right now, but as parents, we have an expectation, and I know my parents did when they sent me off to university, that these universities will keep our children safe and our adult children safe, right? And what I now more, know more than anything is most often, and this sounds very skeptical, is they are there to protect themselves and their brands, Right our children are really just part of this funnel. And they just know that when a kid comes in, they're there for four years and they're out. Maybe they're out sooner, you know, maybe five years, but they're easily replaceable. It's, it's a funnel. And that's the reality of it. So letting go of the magical expectations, right? This, oh, here's this university that's here to take care of my child. It's understanding what the system is at play. And again, there are great people at universities and they're not so great people. It's all of it. So this goes back to that constraint I have about my own life, right? I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere. I can know people who we align with the same values and priorities. And there are people in the world that think differently than I do. All of that is true and can coexist. There can be two separate truths that coexist together. And that's something that's really important. We get into black and white thinking of all or nothing. It's either the universities are good or they're bad. Well, there's a bit of everything, right? It all's a bit true. I want to talk about finding the right job to have meaning and purpose. If you're like, oh, I just need to find the right job to have meaning and purpose. My invitation to you is let go of the word right. There's always going to be learnings and experiments. You know, make the best decision that you can, but let go of this right job because sometimes we make it to be this glorious thing. Right. And one thing that I explained to a client today was that when I was at the community college, there was meaning and purpose in the small moments. There was huge meaning and purpose. I was doing really important work and I wasn't, you know, in surgery saving people's lives. I wasn't, you know, in a hospital doing that, but I was helping people learn how to swim. I was helping people who had trauma near drownings come back and be brave and develop a skill set in their 60s to 80s for some of them. My oldest student was 86 years old. And that is always a reminder to me when I may struggle my own vulnerability of something. It's like, if an 86-year-old person who had near drowning and lots of trauma around water can learn how to swim, what can I do, right? If I was able to help somebody do that, what else am I able to help somebody do? And that just reminds me that things are learnable, that we can overcome our tragedies. We can overcome our pains and our sufferings. And it's never too late. That's another good key learning. So in those moments of teaching adults how to swim, there was meaning and purpose. It wasn't sexy. I wasn't getting an award for it. You know, some people will be like, what's the big deal? You're teaching adults how to swim. I understood how vulnerable it was to be in a pool and to be weightless and to bring in that trauma with you. That was meaning and purpose, right? Now, like last week, I was with one of my groups and being able to watch them after the last year and witnessing what they've learned, witnessing how they've integrated the work in their lives, witnessing them being compassionate when they used to be so hard on themselves and beat the crap out of themselves. It's really easy to say, oh, just practice compassion, but integrating it and getting it in your bones and changing your way of being and changing the way you treat yourself. It takes work and it's hard, like learning how to swim. There's a lot to overcome. That gives me meaning and purpose. I remember that day last week when I was watching them all on the Zoom screen and listening to their stories and listening to them share and, and being brave and vulnerable and going, wow, wow. Get to witness this. I get to be a part of this. This is amazing. But it was about capturing that moment and really being present with it and receiving it, you know, and and really internalizing it. So look around in your life. Where are those small moments where you already have meaning and purpose? And maybe it's saying hello to the security guard every day, or maybe it's saying hello to the janitor. One of the things that gave me so much as a young girl in the sport of swimming was every day when I walked onto the pool deck at Ohlone College in Fremont, California, and my coach Gene said, hi, Corinne, great to see you. What he didn't know is he gave me so much meaning because he gave me a sense of belonging every single day. And that's one of the things that I tried to pass on with my coaches on the monsters is that saying hello and goodbye is so important. We will discount that and think, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just hello and goodbye. Can you make the most cutting edge set? You know? Can you get this kid to break a national record? Can you get this kid signed to one of the top colleges? You guys, all that stuff is just a bunch of bullshit, right? It's just a bunch of bullshit. I've had nationally ranked kids. I've been a division two national champion you know, I've had kids be the number one recruit in the country, right? It's fun. It's cool. You go do it. It doesn't mean you're a better person. And there's not a better promise line. Like you don't go to those national level teams and then get richer and make better jobs. It doesn't work that way, especially in my sport. So let's not discount that small thing. So again, I'm going to ask you to think about and look for where in your life, where in the work that you do Do you have meaning and purpose? And when I say the work that you do, it's not about your W-2. It's not about do you have one, do you not, or 1099, because the work can be taking care of an aging parent. It can be taking care of your kid. It can be volunteering for your kid's swim team, right? Getting paid is one way to get things back, but our work to do is how do we show up, right? You're listening to the show. It's not about you compensating me for this but this is really important work that I do in the world. And it gives me meaning and purpose. Think about where you already have in those small moments, meaning and purpose. And if you want to have more, what are the attributes of it? What is it that's really important to you? For me, obviously it's about connecting. For me, it's about people who have hearts that hurt and go, there's got to be a better way because this is just too much right? The beating ourselves up, the working hard, the proving, the approval whoring. Those are the people. Those are my people. It's like we can overcome. We can rise back up together in connecting with people. I love it. I love connecting with people, right? So often, so much of what we do is done without somebody taking a picture or putting it on video. Right. I mean, I've been more, even more and more. I've been doing social media experiments where I've, when I was gone during the summer, I deleted social media from my phone. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. Like I didn't know if I could do it and I made a decision and I loved it. And then I did that for a couple more weeks being home. And then one week I put it on because I was putting it on, taking off, putting on, taking off. And then one week I left it. And then I went to Italy and it's still on. And then today I was like, I I need to get rid of this stuff. I need to figure out a way, right? Because it's a distraction for me. It doesn't fill me up. Connecting with people really does. Pay attention for you. What gives you meaning and purpose? What gives you meaning and purpose? And know that it may not be something that ever gets acknowledged by others. You may not get an award for it. And you may not post it on some sort of social media platform so that everybody can say hi, because you just forget about doing it, or it's not something that where you want to do, or maybe it's so private that you don't need that lens, or you don't want that lens. Another area of magical thinking, stealth expectations, (laughs) that could be about, you know, being in the right, quote, right, again, cloak word for perfect business networking group, where there can be a beautiful exchange. Right? It's like, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to all rise up together. There's not going to be, you know, people who are just takers. I see this happen in recruiting all the time where the selling that the team may give, it's like, oh, yeah, we're in it together. We're a really cohesive group of team. Right? Well, when you have bodies of people, we all bring in all parts of ourselves. And sometimes some parts of ourselves that show up is a place from a fear, place of shame. There can be lying. There can be betrayals, right? It doesn't mean the whole group isn't a good place for you. It's just about being aware of what's okay and what's not okay. Where is it safe and where is it not? And what we want to know is does this group, is the whole group safe instead of having the realization and the agency to discern as we go through? And the other thing that's really important with ourselves is giving ourselves the grace that. We are who we want to be at least 80% of the time. You know, authenticity and integrity is my, I think my number two value. It's really, really high up there. And I really like to be authentic, and that's really, really important to me. And I have to remind myself, I don't have to do it perfectly. It's not a hundred percent. And so of the time, like, I want to be who I am. And sure, there's certain moments that I'll be like, oh, and I might freak out and think like, oh, I have to be this way or I have to dress this way. But I go back to like, okay, I'm allowed to make mistakes. I remember years ago, I was on this task force and I was standing up and we are presenting and I was all of a sudden watching myself and I'm like, holy moly, I am approval whoring right now. What is going on? I'm in recovery. This shouldn't be happening. What am I doing? And I realized like, oh, I'm human. Of course, like I'm really vulnerable. And I went back to old armor to protect myself because I was really worried of how I was perceived, right? That's why we want to need to give ourselves grace. We don't need to do it perfectly. We're going to make mistakes. We just don't want it to be ones where we can't bounce back from. And as we give ourselves that grace to be ourselves 80% of the time and then, you know, dip into old behaviors, we armor up, we puff up, right? We're out of our own integrity, right? We need to give others grace to not be perfect or have the same standards as ourselves. You know, we're so multi layered, we're so complicated. We all have stories that would break each other's hearts, right? Everybody's got. A story. Everybody's got an experience that they went through, and when I say story, I'm not saying like this is something that they're telling. Like it's it's been their lived experience. They have a story that would break our hearts, right? That when we get to see it, when they open up and say, "This is who I am." So my invitation for you is to give others grace to not be perfect, or have the same standards as you. So instead of having stealth expectations, look for your vision. Without magical thinking and especially without fear, because fear just heightens that magical thinking. We're like, okay, this is all gonna be great. We're gonna smash the patriarchy, right? And that's gonna be fantastic. And women are gonna rise in power and then we're gonna now power over. I mean, one of the things I never liked about Title IX was the idea that, oh, to get to equality, we need to cut men swimming and then put women swimming there. Cause I've always been like, but wait a second, aren't we doing what was done to us, right? The elimination to women. And women's sports are the not allowing to be part of the club, being part of the NC2As because women can't play full court basketball. Right. So I don't want to get into this power over. So the same thing with this magical thinking is instead of, you know, creating stealth expectations with magical thinking, it's about letting it go and knowing there's always going to be attention. tension. So an example of this is. One of the things that I've really loved, and it was a dream of mine that I didn't know could even be possible is working from home. It's one of my greatest dreams. I've loved it. I'm grateful for it. That's not for everybody. But when we dream about working from home, we're like, oh, this is great. I get to work whenever I want. It's going to have ease and flow. It's going to be, that's magical thinking, right? There's a lot of shit shows that happen from working from home. Because one is you start to learn that you have to have boundaries right? Boundaries with yourself. So you're not like doing the dishes, doing the laundry, you know, procrastinating on work. The other is having boundaries with your family. I learned a lot of that, especially when we're in shelter in place. It was one thing for everybody to leave for the day and for me to be home. It was a whole nother thing for everybody to be home and me to be in here and have the space to do the work. I've been continuously learning about boundaries and establishing boundaries. And there's been years of cultivating and refining. And again, it goes back to, I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere. Some of you may think I don't live such an amazing life, but I truly believe I'm like, I often go, wow, I get to do this or this is my life. Like, holy moly. And there are days I'm like, oh, I don't have the capacity for this, right? Or my tummy, there's a pit at the bottom of my tummy because I have to deal with something hard that I really don't want to. And that was today. Right? Like this is the reality. There's some great things about my life. And man, there are shit shows. That is the thing about being a leader of our lives, right? Leaders, good leaders, have the ability to have the handle, the tension of great things as well as difficult things. And they often come all in one day. Magical thinking, stealth expectations is once we finally get it together, we live in the promised land and it's all great. Magical thinking, the stealth expectations is when we have this desired outcome and we're like, but we don't see the invisible rules that also come with it, right? They're in our cultural programming, the voices that are governing us or the invisible army that we're a part of that we didn't even realize that we joined, but we're really good at going and being the soldier and executing the orders. (laughs) Some of you can really relate to this, but so many of us belong to this invisible army, right? And this message is that... You will get this vision, this dream, if you are good enough, right? If you are good enough, or if you're doing it all right, you're doing it perfectly, right? Because doing it right is code for perfectly, right? Then if you do it that way, if you're good enough, if you do it perfectly, then you're going to achieve the dream. And that, my friend, is the magical thinking because we're trying to create a Hollywood ending or a rom-com. And that is not how life works. And then when we don't get that, we beat ourselves up. Real life is messy. You know, I'm the first one who really wants (laughs) my TV shows, movies, books to be all wrapped up and tidy with the outcomes I want. I'm like, no, no, this is how it needs to be. And back in this is a spoiler alert for those of you who watch Grey's Anatomy. This is from season 11, so it was a long time ago. But back in season 11, when they killed off McDreamy, I was pissed. I ranted. I raged. I was so mad because I was like, wait a second. I just spent 11 years waiting for this to happen, for Meredith and McDreamy to be together and live happily ever after because that's the dream I've been fed my whole life, right? Live happily ever after. The white knight rescues the damsel in distress. They live happily ever after. I was willing to endure a lot. They were together. They had their family. They had their house. No, no, we needed to keep that going. And then the storyline changed. I was so mad. So I get it. Like I want that magical ending. I'm right there with you. The key is, is that I'm owning my story in this and I'm loving myself. I'm having, creating this awareness of my own stealth expectations. And I'm constantly reminding myself, Corinne, It's not a fairy tale. Corinne, it's not the rom-com ending. Corinne, right? It's not the way Hollywood does stuff. This is real life. And then I remind myself that I live an amazing life and there are shit shows, right? And then I ask myself, is this something that has to be handled today? Yes or no? And if it's no, it's okay. When am I going to schedule it? And if it's yes, it's something that has to be handled today. Okay, do I have the capacity or what do I need so that I have the capacity? And those are the questions that I do so that I can move through those shit shows. So remember, my friend, as Brene Brown says, it's owning our story and loving ourselves. It's not owning our story and beating ourselves up right? So becoming aware of these stealth expectations you may have in your life and realizing it doesn't have to be a Hollywood ending. Where can you find the meaning and purpose in your job, in your life that you already have right there? Instead of thinking it has to compete with what we see on social media, what we see in the media, you know, in movies and TVs and books, what is your real life? And I can say this, my real life, I had to think about this. My real life is better than my dreams were. And it wasn't that I didn't have big dreams. And my real life is good. And there are shit shows. And I have been through some hard ass shit. So it's all of that. And there's so many things I'm grateful for. There's stuff that I've been pissed off about. I've had my fair share of betrayals, right? My share of traumas. But it's good. And if I were to post it on Instagram, many of you, many people would say, what is she talking about? It's not that good. There's stuff that's really important to me and it's good. So let go of stealth expectations. Get clear with yourself what it is that you really want and notice that it can happen in small and ordinary moments. And We don't have to have the Hollywood endings. Give yourself grace to be imperfect as well as others. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts in television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR. And then I don't have to worry of, Oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes, and that will ensure you that you never miss a show. And you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. I'm smiling big for you.